0: Let's go to the Word of God, Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29. We're going to look at uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 tonight, and it probably, you know, one of the, up there with John three sixteen. one of the most uh, quoted passages of Scripture, um, for I know the, plan, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, plans to give you a, a hope and a future and you've probably heard this you know quoted many many times in church and if you know you grew up in children's church this was probably one of those memory verses that you learned and i think a lot of times we see this passage of scripture and it's great it's it's very encouraging but what i want to do tonight is i want to go back to the story and i want to look at the context of this verse because when you hear this verse you think man this must have been a really cheerful amazing time and we're going to read through quite, uh, quite a bit of this story tonight, and you're going to see that it was kind of the opposite. And so if you're taking notes tonight, I would encourage you to take notes, not because, uh, again, I consider myself the world's best speaker, but because I know that God is here and He wants to speak to you tonight, and His Holy Spirit is here and He wants to speak to you. So Jeremiah 29, we're actually going to start in verse 1, and I'll get in line uh, in heaven in second tonight because I, I don't I don't have a... Y'all, I don't have an NIV Bible, but I ordered one. I only have New King James. And I'm reading from the NIV tonight. So Jeremiah 29 says this. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried away into exile from Jerusalem. So all of that big paragraph there is saying the children of Israel a select few. It's the, the priest. It's uh, some of the high people from the, the court. It would have been like Daniel and all his people that were well-to-do in the court of Israel have been taken into captivity into Babylon. So verse 4, let's pick up there. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to this. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. So skip down to verse 8. Yes, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Verse number 10. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years, somebody say 70 years, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, that place being Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you. Here it is. You've heard it quoted so many times. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And the church said, amen. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places, places from where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, open every ear, open every heart, open every mind to receive of your word. Change us, challenge us in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said? Amen. Not where I want to be. I'm titling this message, Not Where I Want to Be. How many of you have ever been in a place that you didn't want to be before? Maybe like uh, fellas on an eight-hour shopping excursion with your wife. How many? I, I, don't, well, I don't know what it is about shopping, and, and she gets mad at me about it, but I have like a 30 to 45-minute window for shopping, okay? My, I need to get in. There's about two stores I want to go see. Uh, I'm going to go through, I'm going to look at what they have on the mannequin and I'm going to be like, they already picked out my outfit for me. Where can I find the outfit on the mannequin? I want that and I'm going to get it and and I'm going to leave. But you know, Shannon likes to browse. She likes to peruse. She wants to shop for herself. She wants to shop for the kids And, and I'm just done, you know? And so I'm really trying to encourage her. You should just go on your own, but she likes to have me there. So husbands, what do we do? We put on our smile and even if we don't want to be there, it's not where I want to be, but we're there. Why? Because we we love our wives. How about uh, the DMV? Anybody love being at the DMV? Isn't that just, if we have any DMV employees in here, I'm sorry, okay? And the California DMV was literally, I mean, it's the it's the worst place of any Californians in the house. Like the Californian DMV, you would show up at like six in the morning get your and you wouldn't leave until about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Just, it's it's insane. Um, and then perhaps the least favorite place for me on earth is the dentist chair. Can anybody say amen for the dentist chair? Um, I went a few, I went a few, well, not a, I guess it's it's been about a year ago, went and I, I needed a, a root canal. And I have a buddy who's an endodontist, and I called him up and I, and I went to him. And, uh, and I'm sitting in the chair, and um, he goes to give the, the Novocaine shot. And it wasn't painful. I didn't feel it, but he hit a nerve, and a tear just started dripping out of the side of my eye. And so here I am in front of my friend crying in the dentist chair. And I really want to make, I'm like, I swear I'm not crying, man. I'm just. And uh, you're talking about places that I don't want to be. I don't want to be in the dentist chair. And, uh, I mean, you could probably think about, a, a, you know, a dozen different places that you would say, if I was in this place, this is not a place that I would want to be. And when we look at this story, it's exactly where we find the children of Israel, those that have been taken from Jerusalem. And they've been taken to exile, and they've been carried away into Babylon. Imagine with me for a second. Put yourself in their shoes for a second that you've been separated from loved ones. You've been separated from the place that you love. Families have been torn apart and separated. You're carried off into a land, into a foreign place that you don't know, uh, forced to to serve in a place that you don't know. You don't want to be there. You don't want to do the things that that they're telling you to do. You, You just don't want to be there. And that's exactly where the children of Israel found themselves. They found themselves in a place that they don't want to be. How many of you have ever found yourself in a place in life where you said, I don't want to be here? You know, maybe it's the, the middle of an argument with your spouse and it's in the heat of the moment and things are being said that you wish weren't being said and, and you're just going, I wish I wasn't in this place right now walking through what I'm walking through you know, maybe you're even been in a place where you've dealt with the consequences of decisions that your children have made and they've come home and maybe you discovered something on their phone or you got a text message that they were at a place that they weren't supposed to be at. And so you come home and and an argument erupts in the house and, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. I wish I didn't have to go through this. I wish I wasn't in this place right now. It's not place that I want to be. Maybe you've been in a time where you've been laid off from a job and you thought, God, why me? God, why do I have to walk through this right now? I, I outperformed so many of my other coworkers. I went above and beyond. I know that I'm better than that guy and I know I'm better than that person and I know that my, I did my job better than them but yet somehow you ended up sitting in front of the boss, laid off maybe the severance even what it needed to be and you found yourself in a place where you say, this is not where I want to be. This is the place that the children of Israel found themselves when God had Jeremiah write a letter to the people in exile and say the words, I know the plans that I have for you. And I just want to tell somebody tonight that is either in that season or may have a future season up ahead, that when you get in that season, that it's in those times that God has not forsaken you, that God has not forgotten about you, that God has not left you alone, and though you're not in the place that you want to be, that God still looks at you and he still says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans not to to harm you, but plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future, And when you just received that layoff slip... It's not the time that you go, God, you know the plans that you have for me, declares the Lord. It's the time that you go, God, why in the world would you allow this to happen to me right now in this season and all that I'm walking through and all that I'm dealing with? I already had so much on me. Why would you allow this to happen? And God is simply saying this over you in the hard season and the difficult season, relax. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. I'm not where I want to be. And the children of Israel were not where they want to be, but the good news is this. and and you may go, you may say, hang on, this doesn't sound like good news, but the good news is this is that God put a time limit on the time that they would be in Babylon. He says, listen, it's seventy years. some of you are going, I cannot do this for seventy years.' That's not what God is saying to you. That's what God was saying to them. But the significance of this is he was saying, you know what? There is a time period to the trial that you're going to walk through. There is a season, and it's only a season. There's a season for everything under the sun, the book of Ecclesiastes says. There is a season for everything that is under the sun. There's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. There's a time for joy. There's a time for laughter. And there's a season, and every season has a purpose. And we're going to walk through some seasons where we go, if I had my way, if I had my choice, if it were my decision, I would not walk through this. I would not go through this circumstance or this situation situation, but God is saying, relax, because I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, and on the other side of what you're going through, there's hope, there's joy, and you're going to prosper, and hang on, because it's only for a season, And, and I just want to tell and encourage somebody, it's not 70 years. But there is a season, and there's times that we go through, and we look up at heaven, and we go, God, this is not where I want to be. But nevertheless, I know the plans that you have for me. What you're going through is only a season, and it won't last. Because, see, God saw the children of Israel when they went into exile, but he could already see them coming out. And that's the hard part. We only have the here and now vision, but God has this vision to where he is above it all, and he can see the whole perspective of the timeline of our life, and he goes, Craig, I know how I'm going to get you from there to there, and while you're there, I just need you to be patient. In fact, I love what he says the, the, uh, when, as Jeremiah was writing this, and God was giving him the words to say, what did he say to the people of Israel? He said, I, I want you to build homes. I want you to have kids. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to plan weddings. What is God saying in that? You've got to make the best of really bad situations. Man, when you're walking through it, it's not gonna do you any good to be mad and angry and bitter and upset. No, what we have to do in the middle of really bad situations is find some joy in the middle of every situation. And I really believe that that's what the writer was telling the children of Israel that were in exile is you've gotta make the best of a really bad situation. I know you're not where you wanna be. I know you're not in the place that you desire to be, but you're in the place that I have you and I'm preparing you for something in the future. So if you'll simply hold on, I'm gonna get you to the place that I want you to be. Why? Because God said, I know the plans that I have for you. Because I've learned to trust that Romans eight twenty eight is true for me, that in all things, that God is working all things together for good for those that love him not some things, not a few things. No, God works all things in my favor. If I'm going through it, I can guarantee you that God's gonna work it in my favor. If it's bad, if it's hard, if I don't like it, I can guarantee you God's gonna work it in my favor. If I will embrace it, if I will build some homes, if I will just make the best of the situation, if I will learn to find joy in the pain and in the sorrow, what I know is that God will take the bad situation, what Satan meant for evil, and he'll work it for good. And that's the place that we have to come to in life is that even when we're walking through the trial, even when we're walking through the storm, even when we're walking through the situation, that we hear it being spoke over our lives that I know the plans that I have for you. But, but I want to I wanna propose this. Could it be that the thing that happened to you that you thought was the end of your world was really God protecting you from something? Could it be that when you got laid off that it was really God protecting you from some kind of scandal that was about to happen at your job site? Could it be that he was preparing you for something and preparing you for an elevation and for a promotion that you would step into another job opportunity, something better that had you not let go, you would have never let go of that because it was too good of a thing to let go. When we do that, we'll hold on to a good thing so tight that even when God says, hey, I need you to let go, we won't let go. So sometimes God says, I'll help you let go. He helps us let go and then he brings us into a season that is better than we ever could have imagined. Can I tell you, I am the world's worst at this. God will tell me something, and I'm like, no, I'm good, God. That, I mean, that sounds cool or whatever, but I'm good. I'm good in this season. And what I tend to do is I tend to put God in a box, and I say, God, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. God's like, I'm not really concerned with what you want to do or you wanna, I, I got a plan for you, says the Lord plans to give you a hope and a future. If I stay in my way, it's not necessarily gonna be the hope and the future that he has for me. And I want the hope and the future that he has for me, not that I have for me. So sometimes when we won't let go, God will help us let go to get us to the hope and the future that he has for us. Because watch this, you go, they're not in the place that they wanna be, talking about the children of Israel. They're not in the place that they want to be. But then he gives us a glimpse into the people that were still in Jerusalem. Watch this. So now he's talking about the people that were left behind in Jerusalem, the people that were not carried away into exile, the people that were in the place where they didn't want to be. Now you have the people that are still home. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm home. Everything's good. I know my loved ones are in exile, but I'm home. I'm good. Listen to what it said is going to happen to them. Your relatives who were not exiled to Babylon, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. I will send war and famine and disease upon them and make them like bag figs too rotten to eat. Yes, I will pursue them with war, famine, and disease, and I will scatter them around the world and every nation where I send them, and I will make them an object of damnation, horror, contempt, and mockery. Now, where would you choose to be? <laughs> You want to be, okay, I'd rather be back where I want to be or do you want to be, not, it's not where I want to be, but it's where God has me. And a lot of times we'll be in a place that we don't want to be, but it's the exact spot that God has us. Because God doesn't always lead us into the comfortable. God doesn't always lead us into perfect situations where everything is just, you know, rosy and it's just, everything's just comfortable. God's like, no, I'm gonna take you through some situations that are tough, that are challenging and you're not gonna wanna be in that situation but you can be right in the middle of God's will and it could be not where your flesh wants to be. Why? Because it's not comfortable for your flesh but God's like, I've got you right where I wanna be and God was protecting them all along from what was happening back home. And could it be that God has you in a place and is protecting you from the place that you actually think that you want to be? Because let me, let me speak to some of the young people in here. You you got grounded and you couldn't go to that party and you were in your room and you're like, I'm not going to, that's not where I want to be. But then the police bust in and raid the party and you're like, thank God I wasn't there. You know, you're, you're off on a work trip somewhere and, You end up getting sick and, you know, you have to stay home at the hotel and some of the guys go out and do some stuff that if you'd have been out with them, you would have regretted it anyway. And you're like, thank God I was right here. And you end up in these situations to where you go, God, it's not where I want to be. And God is going, I'm protecting you from where you think you want to be. I mean, how many times in our life have we skimmed through Instagram or Facebook or social media and thought, I want to be there. And God is going, you don't want to be where you think you want to be. You want to be where I want you to be. And that's going to lead you to a hope and a future. Come on, somebody say amen tonight. Because I, I was telling you, i put God in this box. And I can't remember if I've shared this story or not. If I have, uh, just forgive me and, and lean into it, enjoy it for a second time. But um, I, in 2009, I ended up in a, in a hospital bed. And in 2009, I, I, was, I was so sick, they had diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. And I genuinely believe that this was, it was a, a belly of the well moment for me. When I say that, I mean, you know, Jonah told God no, and he ended up in the belly of a well. I had been telling God no, 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 no. He was trying to get me to where he wanted me to be, and I kept telling him no. And I ended up sick in this hospital bed. And in the middle of the night, God showed up to me, not in person, but on a TV screen. I don't watch TBN and, and, and everything, but that night I was flipping through TBN, and this pastor was on TV, and I, he was preaching this message called A Fresh Wind from Elsewhere. I can still tell you the message to this day, the premise, the idea behind it, because I sat in that bed in my hotel room or in that hospital room that night weeping and bawling and crying out to God and saying, God, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do and I will be who you want me to be. I want to be where you want me to be and not where I want to be. And sometimes we'll find ourselves in the place that we don't want to be and God is just speaking over you saying, i Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And I just want to tell somebody tonight that if you're in the middle of a situation that you don't want to be in, or if you ever find yourself in that situation, God is speaking that over your life. There is a hope and there is a future. Because, see, it's hard in these times, though, to not let other people sway you. You know, in, in the book of Job, Job was going through a, a hard time, and he had some of his friends come and sit down with him. What does his friend say? His friend said, curse God and die. What kind of friends? is that? I mean, literally, what kind of, if, if I'm ever in a bad situation, please don't come to my house and tell me that, all right? Like, hey, man, just wanted to tell you to curse God and die. Like, thanks, man. Thanks. That's really encouraging. And so the friends show up, and that's literally, you know, that's that's what, I mean, they're like, you must have sinned. You must have done something to brought all this. And what you can do is when you find yourself in a negative, bad situation, you can let other people begin to influence you. You can begin to listen to the negative press. You can begin to listen to other people's opinions rather than listening to God's opinion. And that's exactly what happened is because... Uh, he told him in this thing, he said, Don't listen to the prophets and the fortune tellers uh, who are with you in, the ba- in Babylon. They are trying to trick you. And there were people that were in the negative, that were in just the bad spot. They didn't want to be there. They're griping, and complaining. And so that negativity could wear off on you. And Jeremiah wrote them, He said, Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to the negativity, but stand on my word. Stand on these words that I'm writing to you that you're not where you want to be, but I can get you to where you want to be. If you'll hold on to faith, but you can't listen to all of the negative talk that's happening all around you. Just like Job, he didn't listen to his friends that said, curse God and die. No, he said, listen, I'm going to continue to serve God, love God, pursue God, because he is almighty. He's all powerful. He's in control. And Satan will come in and he'll try to deceive you. And I can remember laying in that hospital bed and doctor after doctor would come in and they would say, you have Crohn's disease. They would say, you have this. And they would give me all these terrible diagnoses. And every time I would look them in their eye and I would just say, no, I don't. And Shannon came to a point to where she was like, babe, you've got to stop saying that to these doctors. Like, you're being rude. I was like, I don't have it. I won't accept that diagnosis over my life. That's not who I am. Two years later, I went in. I had a colonoscopy, and there were not scars. There was not any proof, and I was. they had diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. Two years later, they went in. They said, I don't know why they diagnosed you with that. You don't have Crohn's disease. What I'm telling you is you can find yourself in a bad place, but God says, listen, I've given you a hope. And I've given you a future. And if you'll hold on to the good times, if you'll hold on in joy, if you'll hold on, God will get you through. John 8, 44 says this about the enemy. It says, when he lies, he speaks his native language. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Before he spoke English, he spoke lies. Before he spoke Portuguese, he spoke lies. Before he spoke Spanish, he spoke lies. It is his native tongue. And guess what? He knows how to speak lies in every language, and all he wants to do is come and lie to you, but we have to hold on to the promises of God that even in the hurt, even in the pain, even in the trial, even when I'm where I don't want to be, there's a hope and there is a future. Come on, somebody say amen. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. He sees you in the hurt. He sees you in the pain. He sees you in the trial. He sees you in the struggle. And even still, he says, I have a plan for you. Even if you're in a place of your own making, if you're in sin, if you're in addiction, if you're lost and far away from him, he still looks at you and says, I have a plan for you. If you've made mistakes, if you've failed, he still looks at you and says, I have a plan for you. If you feel like all is lost and there is no hope, if you feel like I am so far that there is no way that God's love could reach me, he still has hope and a future for you. He's never given up on you just like the father in the story of the prodigal son never gave up, gave up on his son. He was eagerly awaiting. He was looking and he saw a son afar off. Can I tell you that if you've made a mess of your life, that God still stands and he sees you afar off and he's waiting to embrace you. And, and he's waiting to kill the fatted calf just like the father did in this story, and he said, hey, go get a robe and put it on him. He's filthy dirty. He's been uh, in the pig of life, and he's been desiring what the pigs are eating, but get my signet ring and put it on his finger and put my robe on him, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to throw a party, and that's why every week when we do the prayer of salvation, what do we do? We put our hands together, and we applaud. Why? Because heaven celebrates when one person comes home. Why? Because you're never too far from God to have a hope and a future, but Satan will convince you that you're too far gone, that there's no way that God could love you. But God said, no matter where you're at, you have a hope in a future. I want the band to come back. Here's the best part for me. Jeremiah 29, 15, it says this. In the New King James Version, it says that the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. The Lord has raised prophets up for us in Babylon. What does that mean? It means that you may enter the situation one way, but when you're coming out, you're coming out better. He said he's raising up profits for us in the hard time. He's raising up profits for us in the struggle. He's raising up up profits for us in the middle of the bad times, in the middle of the rough situation in the middle of the situation that you wish that you weren't in god is doing something in you that when you step out of that season come on you're going to be a man of god a woman of god like you've never been before because you may be in the fire but what i know about the fire is that the fire refines us it makes us more like him it draws us closer to him it makes us more dependent on him that's why we fast and pray we push away we're hungry we're starving we're Mad, We're hangry, but we just go, God, I got to pull close to you. And we become out of this fast refined and better than we were when we entered into the place. Because the Lord knows a fast is a place that we don't want to be. You ought to say amen to (laughs) that. And the Bible says that the Lord raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Isaiah 48.10 says it this, this way. See, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in a furnace of affliction. The Bible said, I have tested you, God. I have tested you in a furnace of affliction. God will allow us to go through some things, to get out of us what doesn't need to be there. You, you know, as gold goes in and all the dirt and everything floats to the top. And they'll just skim all of that dirt right off the top. Because you wouldn't want, ladies, you wouldn't want a a gold ring that had dirt and everything in it, would you? No, you don't want that. So they skim off all of that dirt right off the top. And I believe that that's exactly what God does for us. As he puts us into the fire, we go in and we're kind of dirty and filthy and we've got, the junk of life on us, but as we're put down in the fire, all of that stuff begins to come off of us, and that's what's happening even in this fast. As we're in the middle of this fast and denying our flesh, the stuff is coming off of us, and God just wants to scoop it off the top so that we come through this fast looking better than what we went in that we're stronger, that we're more faithful men and women of God, that we're better husbands and and better wives and and better moms and and better dads and better employees, better coworkers, better bosses, that whatever we set our hands to do, that we're better at it. If you're coaching a soccer team, that that you're a better coach. I mean, whatever it is, that Jesus' light shines through you. Because if you're just dirty gold, nothing's going to shine off of you. But if you come through that fire and, and, and you're shiny, bright gold, when the light hits you, you're reflecting that light. And Jesus is that light. And our job is to reflect Jesus' light into the world. And if we don't walk through some things and be refined, we're not going to shine bright into the world. But I just want to tell you tonight, if you're not where you want to be, God can get you there. Come on, I want you to stand on your feet as we close. Diamonds enter the earth just as a a lump of coal. Go deep down into the earth. And the pressure and the heat and all the elements for thousands of years stay buried under the earth. But then when they come out of the earth, It's one of the most beautiful, precious stones that we have. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like you've been buried. Maybe you feel like the heat's been turned up and the pressure's been put up. Maybe you feel like you are in a pressure cooker. The good news is that when we come out, God's gonna kind of chisel away. And and even when you get that diamond out, it's still in its rough shape. And maybe, you know, maybe you've gone from from coal and now you're kind of like a rough diamond. And now you're in this process where God is kind of chipping away and chiseling away and and making you you into this perfect specimen so that as the light of Christ hits you that you radiate with brilliant light and with beauty and that everybody around you doesn't see you but they see the God that lives inside of you and they watched you walk through the trial and they watched you walk through the storm and, and, and in their mind there's no way that you should have made it through it there's no way that you should have come through unburned but you come out on the other side looking like a million bucks, stronger than you were when you went through the furnace and you can testify that God was with me all along. We're coming out looking like a diamond, looking like bright shining